This is HPR episode 2172 entitled Dutch Lit's Tabletop Game. It is hosted by Steve Sainer and is about 26 minutes long. The summary is, Steve describes the game of Dutch Lit's. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Public Radio. My name is Steve. Like many of you, I have been listening with uh, interest to the series on tabletop gaming that Klaatu has been doing. Uh, It's been interesting to me because I did grow up uh, playing quite a few games um, with the family, both the immediate family and extended family, and and also in various social functions. Uh, And so... um, so it's kind of interesting, uh, some of the perspectives that uh, Klaatu has given um, in how he is kind of being introduced to tabletop gaming. Uh, the most recent episode uh, on Skipbo was kind of interesting because that is actually a game that I have played before um, a few times. And it got me to thinking a little bit about some of the games that uh, I used to play growing up And one in particular kind of stands out as being a favorite, but also unique enough that perhaps not everybody here has heard about that. And the name of that game is Dutch Blitz. Now, unlike Skipbo, one of uh, Klaatu's kind of critiques of Skipbo is that there was no theme whatsoever. I mean, just generic cards. Uh, Dutch Blitz does have a theme to it, um, at least in terms of the design of the cards and uh, the box and everything that you get. The theme doesn't necessarily play, uh, you know, relate too much to the gameplay, but you know there is something there. So Dutch Blitz was created, as I understand it, in about 1959 by a guy by the name of Werner Ernst George Mueller, and he was from Pennsylvania in the United States. Um, now, the game is similar to a game called Nerds, which is played uh, with standard playing cards. Uh, and I understand that Nerds had been around since the 1940s. And it's not totally clear to me to what extent uh, Mr. Mueller was influenced by that game. Um, it very it very possibly was. Um, although another website I found said that he was an optometrist, and it said that he thought that the game that he created uh, might be useful in helping his children learn about colors and numbers. Well, the game spread quite rapidly in the eastern Pennsylvania area, and the culture that this game was created in um, is something called Pennsylvania Dutch. And the Pennsylvania Dutch is made up of um, 
early German immigrants uh, that immigrated to the United States um, as early as the late 19 or 1700s, I believe, through like the late 1800s, something somewhere in that time frame. And they, a lot of them moved to the eastern Pennsylvania area in the United States. Now, Dutch is a little bit of a misnomer. A lot of times you might think of Dutch as the people from Holland or the Netherlands. Um, from what I understand, Dutch in the sense of Pennsylvania Dutch is actually a corruption of the word Deutsch, which of course is German. And uh, so they, they, they didn't come from the Netherlands area. They came from parts of Germany. And, uh, of course, the United States has a lot of immigrants that came from German areas and other European areas there. And my family actually um, has roots um, in, in that kind of uh, culture as well. Not exactly Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, my family um, were uh, among the Mennonites that emigrated to, the United, to various places in the United States, in my case, uh, they came to the central Kansas area, and um, of course, Mennonite is a um, you know a Protestant Christian faith, and many of those immigrants came over because they felt like they were being persecuted uh, for their faith, and um, so that's that's my history as well. So. The design of this game has, you know, kind of symbols and uh, concepts and terminology that is uh, in line with that culture. Uh, it tends to be agricultural in nature, and it does tend to have, um, you know, a, a strong Christian faith uh, built into it as well. A lot of people have heard of the Amish or of like old order type uh, conservative. Um, groups. That's the type of groups that we're talking about here. Um, and so the uh, one, one of the things that's sort of interesting, and perhaps one of the um, reasons that he came up with this game is, in those cultures, um, it was very taboo to use standard playing cards. Um, basically, playing cards represented to them, it represented gambling, and gambling was considered to be, you know, a bad thing, and so it was very taboo to play games with standard playing cards. And so, you know, one of the things that Mr. Mueller may have done is he may have learned about this game called Nerds, and then, you know, built his own version of it using his own card's design that would be more palatable to the people of, of that culture. Now, this game became very popular in that area, and then it also spread then to many of the other similar, you know, German immigration immigrant uh, cultures throughout the United States. And it was a game that... I don't know, kind of could be associated with, you know, our, you know, our heritage to a certain extent. And growing up, it was something that was played, 
quite frequently at various kinds of church functions and retreats and so on. And my mom in particular loved the game. She played it with her women friends a lot. Uh, but it, it, it wasn't, you know, only the women that played it. The men would too uh, on occasion as well. <clears throat> so, anyways, let me go ahead and describe uh, what, uh, what the game kind of looks like and how, it, uh, how it's set up. The standard set has four decks of cards, and each player gets, its, gets their own deck, so it can accommodate two to four players. I understand there's an extension pack uh, that you can get that adds four more decks, so, so that would support up to eight players. However, I have never played with more than four. Each deck has 40 cards in it, and those cards are made up of numbers from 1 through 10, in four different colors. Now the colors are sort of analogous to the suits that you're familiar with on playing cards. So you got four colors, one through ten in each color. Uh, and those colors are red, blue, green, and yellow. Now additionally, the red and blue cards have a picture of a boy uh, on them. Actually on each corner, all four corners of the card, there's a little picture of a boy. And it, it kind of looks like a little Amish boy, if, if that means anything to you. Um, and the red and blue cards have the boy. The green and yellow cards have a little girl. A little girl in a bonnet and a dress. Kind of an, kind of an Amish girl look, look to it. And those are sort of analogous to you know the red cards versus the black cards in, the, in a standard plain set. A standard uh, deck of cards. Um... Now, each of these four decks are identical in terms of the, the, the face of the cards, the colors and the numbers and all of that. They are differentiated, however, on the back of each, of, of each card in each deck, there is a symbol um, to differentiate one deck from another. And those symbols um, are as follows. One deck has blue, uh, blue plows, and by plow, I mean like a, like the old horse-drawn plow, that kind of a shape. Um, another deck has green pumps, and by pump, I mean like a, a hand water pump, water well pump. Um, another set, another deck has a red-colored buggy, like a horse-drawn buggy, and then the fourth one is a yellow bucket. Um, like a wooden bucket that would be used to carry water. So you can see, you know, the images from the time and the culture and the history um, in, in which this game was created. <clears throat> the uh, Otherwise, you know, the colors are very bright. The face of the cards are very bright colors. The The font of the numbers is sort of a... I don't know, I would call it kind of a gothic type of a font, which I don't know if that's really related to the culture in which this game was was done, but um, nonetheless, it kind of has an old feel to it, I guess, or something like that. And then the middle of the card is sort of just a, a design pattern that is kind of a, kind of a quilt patch looking pattern, which of course is also indicative of that culture um, in which the, the game was created. So each player um, gets their own 
deck of card, either pump, buggy, plow, or bucket. To start the game, or to be to set up the game, um, you have to form a number of piles. And again, the names of these piles sort of are thematic in a way as well. First of all, what you do is each player shuffles their own deck. And you're supposed to shuffle it, you know, quite well. You hold the deck then with the card faces down, so you don't know what cards you're, you're, you're dealing. And you deal for yourself ten cards in front of you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you flip that whole stack over. So you can now see the topmost face card in that, in that stack. That is called your blitz pile. And one of the goals of the game is to get rid of your blitz pile, get rid of those ten cards. So once you have the blitz pile, you then deal three more cards, one after another, and flip them right side up, face up, and you set them in three piles, if you will, to the left of the blitz pile. So you've got a, a pile of... Ten cards, which is the blitz pile. To the left of that are three more cards in a row. And these are uh, what are referred to as the post piles. And I'll get to what those are used for in just a little bit. So then you have the rest of your deck in your hand. Now, as when gameplay starts, what you do is... Well, it's it's kind of complicated how how to explain it, but so any player that has a playable card that is a one, the number one of any color, and by playable cards I mean the top card on any of your post piles or the top card on your blitz pile um, is playable. As well as, as you are playing the game, let me back up a second. As you're playing the game, you're going to rotate through your deck by taking three cards upside down. You say they're still upside down, uh, face down. You take three cards and then flip them over. And you set them on a pile. That's called your wood pile. And so the top card that is showing there as well as the top card of the three post piles and the top card of the blitz pile, any of those are playable. Um, if you don't have any playable card, you take three more cards off of your deck, flip them over, and put them on top of the wood pile, and just keep doing that. When you get to the end of your deck, you take that wood pile, flip it upside down again, and then start doing it again. Three cards, flip. Three cards, flip. Three cards, flip until you have a card that is playable. Now, if you've ever played um, various versions of the game Solitaire with regular playing cards, all of this is going to sound quite familiar, because it is almost the same mechanic as like uh, several different Solitaire games, like Klondike and uh, several others, where you take, you know, you, you shuffle through your, your deck Flipping you know, three cards, flip them over until you have a card that you can play. Now, how do you play? What what? How do you play the cards? Well, one of the things that you want to do 
is play cards out in the middle of the table on piles that are called Dutch piles. And as I started to say earlier, as soon as a player has a number one card of any color, they can play that card out in the middle of the table and start what's called a Dutch pile. Okay, And then additional cards can be added to those Dutch piles in sequential orders and in sequential order and maintaining the same color. So if I put out a yellow one, I can then play a yellow two on top of that, and then a yellow three, and a yellow four, and so on, all the way up to ten. And again, that's similar to solitaire games as well. Now the Dutch piles, however, are communal. Any player can play on any other Dutch pile. So if I put out a one, a yellow one, and somebody else has a yellow two, they can play on that pile. It's not my pile, per se. So that's one of the things I, one of the ways I can play a card. Um, another way I can play a card is on the post piles, the three post piles, I can, we, we kind of call it build down. So if, um, and it's, again, this is similar to solitaire. So if, if one of my piles uh, one of my post piles has, say, a, a 5 on it. I can then play a 4, and then a 3, and then a 2. And I can kind of build that pile down um, if I want to. Now, that you have to go in decreasing number, so 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. But you also have to alternate boy-girl. So if I have, say, a, f a 5 blue, a blue 5, which is a boy card... I can play a four on it, but it would have to be either a green or a yellow, which is a girl card. And then on top of that, I could put like a red or blue, i.e. boy, three, and then so on. And um, part of the whole point of those piles is just to kind of be able to sort through things. It gives you a mechanism by which you can kind of, um, you know, shuffle cards around. Now... If you can play your one of the, the, the topmost card of your blitz pile, then that's of primary importance. You want to play that card. And you can play that card by either putting it on a Dutch pile out in the middle of the table, or you can play it on one of the post piles. Um, and that's a way to get the, get a card off of the blitz piles to move it over to the to the post piles. So one of the things, one of the strategies, is say I have you know a green six on my blitz pile, and I can't play it anywhere yet, but I notice that I have say um, a yellow eight on one of my post piles. If I can find like a red seven that I can put on there, then I can move my green six over to over to the what was it, red or blue seven. And so I'm building down my post piles, I'm alternating boy and girl, and that's one of the ways I can get rid of cards on my blitz pile. Uh, if I can't do any of that kind of action, then I just keep shuffling through my deck and adding to the wood pile and then hopefully a card comes up that I can then play either on a Dutch pile on a, on a, or on a post pile to help me get rid of uh, my, my ten cards in the Blitz pile.
Um, that's basically the mechanic. Now, here's what's really interesting about the game and what makes it fun. All, uh, so far, all this would really be is a solitaire game, you know, four players all playing the same solitaire game. But what makes it fun is that you don't take turns. Everybody is doing what I just described at the same time as fast as they can. And um, so, you know, once you get your, you know, your piles set up, you're ready to go, somebody says go, and everybody starts going. And, you know, you're shuffling through cards as fast as you can. You're moving cards around. Um, you know, you're moving cards to your, you know, your post piles, trying to figure out a way to get rid of the top card on your blitz pile. As soon as that one's gone, now you have a completely different card, and you have to figure out how to get rid of it. And um, it's a very fast-paced game. The fact that the Dutch piles out in the middle of the table are communal means that it very often comes up that, you know, two or more players have the same number of the same color of card that they can play. And so, you know, they're waiting for a Dutch pile to get to the point where they can play that that card. Well, as soon as that becomes available, everybody goes to try to to try to play that card, and only one of them, one of them can play it. Whoever gets there first, um, you know, gets it. Everybody else, they have to take their card back and continue on. Um, and the game goes until one player completely clears off their ten cards in the blitz pile. At which point they yell out "blitz," and at that point, all all play must stop. So what you do then is you sort through the you know everybody sorts through all of the cards that make up the Dutch piles out in the middle of the of the uh, table. Basically, you flip them all over and you sort them into their their you know deck symbols: the plow, the pump, the buggy, the bucket. And you know each person takes their cards that were out there and they count them up. You then subtract two times the number of cards you have left in your blitz pile. Of course, the person that went bl went blitz, they don't have any in their blitz pile, so they count their cards out in the Dutch piles, and then that's their score. Other players that still have cards there, you count your cards that you got out in the Dutch pile, you subtract two times what you have left in the blitz pile, that's your score. And so... Um, usually the game is played in, you know, many rounds. And you, like, add up your scores as you go on. So this is my score for this round. So then we, you know, shuffle all the decks again, start over, play another round, you know, add up the scores. And, you know, we used to, like, decide on a target, like, you know, say 500 points or whatever, and we would play until somebody has reached 500 points. Another way you could do it is say, okay, we're going to play 10 rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end of the 10 rounds, you know, might might win. Or There's different ways you could do that. And I believe the instructions kind of give you some suggestions on that. But that's really the uh, the dynamic, 
And what make again what makes it fun is the fast paced aspect of it. That you're you're racing the other players to get rid of your cards and to get as many cards out on the Dutch pile. So I should say this, you know, the, the objective is on one hand to get rid of your blitz pile, because once you do, you can call blitz and you won't have any subtractor subtraction to your points. But really the other part of the objective is to get as many cards out on the Dutch pile piles as you possibly can. Because that, you know, obviously affects your score as well. And so there's sort of a balance there. And, uh, you know, that it has actually a fairly good game for, like, eye-hand coordination. Um, because, you know, you got to kind of have a peripheral vision. you got to have a view of what's going on on the Dutch piles out there. So that as soon as something comes up that you can play a card on, um, you know, you can do that as quickly as possible. But then you're also got to pay attention to what you got going on in front of you with your Dutch your Dutch pile or your blitz pile and your post piles, and you know you're as you're doing this you're shuffling through your deck three at a time and trying to come up with a number that allows you to you know shuffle things around, and that's how it works. So um, in the show notes I've put some URLs uh, for the official Dutch Dutch Blitz um, website, as well as a Wikipedia page that kind of describes um, the game, and a couple others as well. Now, it used to be, like I said, that the game was kind of hard to come by. Um, You'd have to kind of go to certain bookstores and things like that. Uh, Now, on the internet, you know, it's easy to find on Amazon or eBay or, you know, all sorts of different places. And while... You know, when I was growing up, this was a very popular game, you know, in our little society, uh, kind of where I grew up, um, and, and in others like it, um, but it has spread beyond that um, a lot. And there's a lot of people that have played it and know the game and enjoy it as well. So I think that's my best attempt at describing the game of Dutch Blitz. Um, hope it was interesting to those of you that uh, enjoy games, and it might be one that uh, you want to take a look at. With that, I will sign out for this episode, and um, hope to hear some more about games, uh, more games from either Clot2 or somebody else out there that has an interesting game. Go ahead and make an episode about it. So for HPR, this is Steve saying good day. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.